So I went to seven schools when I was growing up. Lived in three different countries. So when I came back from one country, I got dropped down into the year below where I should have been. Immediately impacted my schooling career per se. Yeah. What they said is you'll never go to college, let alone university. I did both. Did university, started up my first business age 18. Left university with the business, grew it over the next five or six years. We are where we are today. Nine years on, what is it? 30 odd staff, 35 staff. Yeah, and you've got your own podcast as well. <laughs> I do have my own podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Obviously, um, not as good as yours, but I have got a podcast, yeah. Before you start this episode, please can you click subscribe below and follow our social handles in the description. It's a massive help and it keeps you up to date with all the exciting announcements from the podcast. So thanks very much for coming and speaking to us today. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Taking time out of your schedule. Um, we'll crack on as we normally do with the first question um, and we start every podcast in exactly the same way so I'm going to put you under an immediate bit of pressure <laughs> hopefully okay. hopefully you're up for it um, I'd just like you to try and take us from early life to now yep and do it in the space of maybe one two minutes tops two minutes tops early yeah. life it okay. should should hopefully early life to now so it should okay. it should hone in all the important bits and yeah. miss out all the stuff that's maybe not as relevant yeah yeah easy fine so I went to seven schools when I was growing up, seven different schools. Wow. Um, lived in three different countries, um, dyslexic and dyspraxic. So when I came back from one country, I got dropped down into the year below where I should have been. Okay. So that immediately impacted my schooling career per se. Yeah. Anyway, um, <clears throat> went through school, went to college, Told I was told I wouldn't go to college, which was, you know, nice and they were clearly confident in me. Never nice to hear. No, exactly. <laughs> they actually, what they said is you'll never go to college, let alone university. I did both. That was the main thing there. Yeah. So went from college to university, did university, started up my first business aged 18, business that actually had staff, if that makes sense. I had yep. ideas when I was you know, 12, 13, but the one that was actually making money. Left university with the business, grew it over the next five or six years. We are where we are today. Uh, nine years on, what is it, 30 odd staff, 35 staff. Um, had a few other businesses in the meantime, and we're having a podcast talking about it. So yeah. that's, that's the reality. Yeah. yeah, and you've got your own podcast as well. <laughs> I do have my own podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Obviously, um, not as good as yours, but I have got a podcast, yeah. Behave. You're, you're, you're a lot further on than where we are, and one day maybe we can, we, can, we can be as successful as what you've been with us. I think this is the first podcast collaboration that we might have done. It's, cer it's certainly mine. I yeah. don't think I've, um, I've sat down with anybody that, that, that have done a similar thing. Mm -hmm. So that's unique. That is, yeah. So there's a few, a few holding the mics and, and a unique conversation, which is what it's all about. <laughs> Everything's what it, different. It's what it's all about. As long as you don't start singing, we'll be... Uh, yeah, stand up like boys, though. Yeah, we'll be okay. <laughs> so take us back then to your sort of early life yeah. then, Oliver. So you mentioned about um, school yeah. and, you know, you had many different schools, seven different schools, yeah, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I only had one, I think. Yeah, you, were <laughs> so, you were lucky. Lucky, lucky. So, so why was that? Was that down to sort of moving around? So I know you yeah, yeah. family's got a bit of a military yeah, background, yeah, yeah. doesn't it? It's, it's exactly that. So, so, so in the military, you move around every three years, um, and, and as obviously a child growing up in in the military or behind the wire, as they call it, yeah, you have to get dragged along with with with, with your parents, right? Yeah. Um, uh, unless you end up in boarding school, which I did for some of that time, which I hated. Yeah. Um, you end up going to different schools, and, and that is the reality of it. It's quite difficult. So boarding school, what's that like? Um, in hindsight, it probably would should have been more fun than it actually was. And actually, if I had the time again, I'd have probably done it differently. Yeah. In the then and uh, the present time, I suppose, when I was at boarding school, 
I hated it. I hated the fact that I was away from home. I hated the fact that, 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 that you're in a room of people that, you know, when you're asleep, they could hit you or you, you could hit whatever. Like there was genuine kind of fear being in there. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't the best at school at the best of times, but- How old um, were you at that point? Uh, uh, what was I, 12? 12, 11, yeah, something like that. So you were kind of like, well, are they bullying me or is it banter? I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know. Do I say anything but back? Yeah. Do I get involved? <laughs> <laughs> Do I hit them harder? Are they going to hit me harder? Yeah. But yeah, it was um, it was really difficult, and, and I know a few of them now after I, after I left school. Okay. Um, and I was speaking to them. It was only the other week actually. I was like, I was talking about showing this guy around called James, and he was um, I was at the school for about six months. He joined. I showed him around what they call the boarding house, right? Yeah. I was like, this is the tuck shop. This is where matron is. All the sort of stuff that you might associate with boarding school and anyway it turned out that he was the guy that was the bully he ended up bullying me and i left because wow. of him okay but i showed the bugger around obviously the, the, the dorms um but they said why did you leave and i was like well just because i was being bullied they're like oh, you weren't being bullied we already liked you and i was like Shit, <laughs> have i just completely misinterpreted this were they were just being was it banter was it fun maybe i shouldn't have left you were a top friend <laughs> maybe is that, is that friendship i don't know but yeah it was um i didn't enjoy school in reality yeah that, that was that was the kind of candid truth there yeah, so walking out of school, you kind of one GCSE, yeah, one GCSEs, and and kind of going to front front end, running successful organisation and podcast and various other bits and pieces that you're involved in, which we'll get into. So, in terms of your school life, my daughter's seventeen on Tuesday, my son's nine. Um, I've always try and relate things to my my situation with them and and how they feel and stuff. So, what do you think about kind of school and education at the moment from your experience in terms of how that supports people that have gone through a similar process to yourself? Uh, at the moment, school and education, I think, is getting better. I think when I was going through, and this was only fifteen years ago, it was totally different. Yeah. It was totally different. You know, I'd gone from boarding school, I'd done comp schools, I'd done private, I'd done every type of school. Yeah, and it was it was just shit throughout basically yeah. you had classes of six people you had classes of 30 people and, and they say that you have more attention in a small class granted you do but actually if you are neurodiverse or dyslexic or dyspraxic or whatever it might be you, you still can't fit that mold of school do you know what i mean yeah. you might have a little bit more support they might tell you to you know have extra time in an exam or whatever but if your mind doesn't work in the way that you can have all day in the exam it doesn't exactly. make any difference does it yeah if, if you if you can't tick those boxes and, and you and you can't answer the questions in the way they want you to answer them you're not going to get through school no matter how much time or support you've got yeah. and i think i think i think people are, are becoming more understanding of that as as time goes on education system is changing we know that um but it's a long way off were your parents kind of aware of 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 that when you were going through school yeah yeah they were very supportive yeah. they, were, they 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 knew something was up yeah they knew that it wasn't me being stupid per se because that's the kind of there's a real line isn't there and, and i listen to parents at freddie's school and faith when she was younger and you hear parents conversations on the playground and you speak to people and it's kind of i think there's a lot more these days acceptance and conversation around um people that are neurodiverse or you know you, you, you've got those things going on but I think back years and years ago you were just looked at as naughty or yeah. in, inconsiderate or or you're just being an arsehole to the teacher or you haven't got time to do this or you're choosing not to do it and you're really pushing back yeah. like that that if I look back to when Faith was was going through school which again was five six years ago really at that sort of an age there was it was most common to, there, there was no real conversation about that really it was more around just she's misbehaving or yeah. he's misbehaving. Yeah. 
yeah it, it, they, they go it's your fault you're the disruptive child you're the one that's yeah. making all these uh these these kids distracted for instance and it, it might be because you're not getting the attention that you need it might be because you know if i'm not enjoying something or if i'm not if i, if I can't understand something then i might look like i'm zoning out or focusing on other things or daydreaming yeah. or whatever and maybe i am but arguably maybe i'm just trying to compute what's going on yeah if that yeah. makes sense you know if somebody's from a if French lessons a prime example. Yeah, I hated I hated French, right? Yeah. And I'm I was not kicked a fan out either. Not I was fan. kicked out of French, and I went up to the deputy head's office, and I was up there every French lesson for a couple of years. Yeah, I ended up knowing the deputy head by his first name because it got to that level. Yeah, really nice guy called Trevor. Anyway, um, the reason I was distracted in French is because I was trying to go, wh what does it mean? How do I compute that? How do I make it work in my mind? It's not that I'm not listening. It's that I'm trying to make it work for me, if that yeah. makes sense. And they don't understand that. Teachers don't understand that. They're starting to. Yeah. But when I was at school, it was very difficult to get that across. What what practical things can teach? Because I'm just speaking from experience here. I know there was, I've spoken to, uh, to sort of three or four teachers over the last sort of year of doing the podcast about various different things. So if you had to, ed from somebody in your position with your experience, if you had to educate them on how best to deal with with that situation, what would you say from someone with with that experience? That's really difficult because I'm actually not a very good teacher myself. So in yeah. terms of even onboarding guys into the business when it was smaller, um, teaching somebody something, I find incredibly difficult. Okay. So So, so to be able to comment on how a teacher could teach better. Somebody should be teaching. Yeah. I, I, I could give it a pump, but it wouldn't be right if that makes sense. Because I, I, I can barely even tell my girlfriend, you know, what to do when I need to tell her that I've done something and it's not correct. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. I, I, I can't Deliver. constructively teach somebody if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Like I, I do a lot of shooting, and I took my girlfriend to go shooting, and I was trying to tell her how to shoot, and I was like, well, it's easy. You, you just stand there, you put the gun to your shoulder, you, and you just, <laughs> you just shoot it. And she's like, yeah, but how do you do it how do you stand there what do you do what do you look at and i'm like yeah. well you just you just look and it's easy it's really hard for me to be able to communicate yeah yeah what you should be doing in a way that people can understand and I, and you know that i'm sure is the same with a lot of people that yeah. uh, that have gone through school they know it's wrong but they don't know how to fix it yeah um and just giving people extra time is not the way to fix it yeah yeah, I think that that makes that person feel like they're doing something, but it doesn't actually constructively give them yeah. any, you know, give them any support. I think half the battle with this sort of stuff is understanding, yeah, yeah, and communication with that individual because everybody is different, aren't they? And people yeah. learn and communicate in different ways. And I don't think calling people out like they used to do in class is is the way to do it, and it is changing in terms of. Yeah. You know, they would go right. You're the dyslexic, or you're the dyspraxic. You need to sit in the corner. You sit have over a, there, yeah. you, you, you have a, a, a teacher which will help you in class. She'll write the notes for you, or she'll do whatever. And you're you're basically putting a badge on someone and yeah, going, yeah. You're the special child. You sit in the corner with a person who'll help you, and I'll talk to the majority of the class while she just relays things in a different way. You know, you're being segregated. Yeah, to immediately. A certain extent, yeah. You know? And actually, that in hindsight was probably negative at the time. I didn't really think about it. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it happens in that way anymore. Yeah. I think everybody is treated in a lot more with a lot more respect at school. Yeah. And a lot more equally. Yeah, a lot more equally. They used to have specific classes you go into, and that's fine. And they may well still do. I don't have kids at school, but in terms of being put in the corner of a class and gone, here's a tutor. They'll help you. Yeah, that's not a constructive way to teach kids. Now, singling someone out isn't constructive. No, supporting them in the right way yeah. as part of a group is, constru is is constructive. But questions are critical as well. I think, and, and at school, you're told to ask questions, but if you ask too many questions, you also feel stupid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In a class, you go, yeah, miss, I don't get it, miss, I don't get it, miss, I don't get it. 
and that, you ask too many times, you go, actually, maybe I just shouldn't ask because clearly everybody else gets it. Yeah. Clearly it's me that's the idiot here. Do you know what? That is exactly it. Because when I spoke to Faith about when she was studying for her GCSEs and she was nervous about it and all this stuff and we we're talking about options for college and what she wanted to do next. And she was the last person yeah. in her friend group to know what she wanted to do. Still doesn't know what she wants to do. Everyone in my friend group, they've got a course. They know what they want. They mm. know what they want to do for the, you know, for the next 20 years. Mm. And I'm, I'm sort of sitting there thinking, yeah. no, that's just, I know that's not accurate. I know that's not right. And, yeah. and when we were going through kind of the options available to her and stuff, there was a heck of a lot of pressure to pick something. Yeah. Anything, just yeah. something to get, get going with something. And I, I understand you've got to pick something. You've got to make a choice. But... I kind of found it difficult to find a, uh, a bridge between just take the risk and just go and yeah. do something and enjoy it and have some experience yeah. versus trying to follow something that you really want to do because yeah. you don't know what you're going to be doing in five, ten years' time. At all. I mean, I, I, I uh, when I was a lot younger, six or seven, I wanted to be a bin man. Yeah? Seriously. Nice. I seriously, <laughs> and, I, and mum reminds me of this. And I used to walk down the road and there was a bin lorry there. Yeah. And she said, you always used to ask me if you could push the button and make the bins go into the lorry. I mean, cool as a kid to push yeah. the button, big thing goes and bins and whatever. Yeah. And that, you know, if someone asked me back then when I was six or seven, what do you want to do? Well, I want to be a bin man. Random, but that was the reality. Yeah. You asked me at school what I wanted to do. Absolutely no idea. Yeah. Like no idea at all. I know I wouldn't have probably wanted to go into anything that, that requires too much academia or qualification, knowing that, frankly, I just didn't like it. Yeah. It would have probably been something creative. I I did a bit of practical bricklaying, for instance. Yeah. I was quite practical in that sense because I thought, well, that might be the way I go. I might go into construction, for instance. Yeah. Didn't really get on with that either. To go into where I am now was a complete accident. Like it wasn't planned. No one knows what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I I I I think I got to twenty five, twenty five, twenty six. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to work for myself. I knew yeah. I wanted to run my own business. But I didn't really know in what, doing yeah. what, how I would go about doing any of that sort of stuff. And you just got to take a gamble and just get on with it, haven't you? It's no right or wrong time to do it. No, I mean, I went to college. I did media and TV, right? I enjoyed that. And that was the first time that I had respect for tutors, yep. for teachers, right? You didn't call them sir. You didn't call them miss. You called them by their first name. You know, I, I can remember his name was George. I, so I called him George. He'd called me Ollie. You could wear whatever you wanted to wear. Didn't have to wear uniform, didn't have to have your tie on, didn't have to have your jumper, whatever the hell you had to wear, which again was good. You could turn up, you didn't have to necessarily turn up. It wasn't, you know, a nine to five, for instance, there wasn't written yeah. exams, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You could respect them, they could respect you, and that was good. And at that point, I kind of thought, okay, I am enjoying this, I can learn from That's this. It's more I'm life, gonna... though, isn't it? Real reality. And I think that life, is yeah. the reality. I think as soon as you go to somewhere, sixth form to a certain extent, but I didn't do it, but I've seen people do it. But in terms of going to college and then university or even going through an apprenticeship scheme for instance which i think are brilliant you do learn life skills and you realize at that point what the real world is like because it's so fake at school yeah if you don't get it right you aren't going to succeed which is bollocks yeah total bollocks it's a bit like driving you're you're taught how to pass your test yeah most of the time you're not taught how to drive yeah. like when i think back to my driving i don't i don't go down the street now doing this on every single mirror that I can no. see and, and doing, you know, you just don't do that. You, no. you, it's, it is just fake. But it's, and I think Elon Musk said it really, really well, where he said at school, you're told to argue over three or 4,000 words, you know, try to sell something over three or 4,000 words, yeah. you know, to, to, to prove a point over three or 4,000 In real life, you have five, 10 seconds. Yeah. You know, tell me 
what your solution is in the shortest possible way. Yeah. Not write an essay on how you're going to cure this. Yeah. Just tell me how you're going to do it very simply. An elevator pitch, literally. Not an essay pitch, you know. Yeah. And I think I think that is the difference between school and between the real life. Is is like actually people in the real world sometimes haven't got the time to actually apply themselves and explain in grave detail why something's gone wrong. Mm. Whereas in school, to get the grades, you have to explain it in such minute detail that it almost just becomes an exercise for the sake of an exercise. Yeah. I I think, just, yeah. It's just a totally different way of working. Yeah, yeah. And I think how the way that's received as well, it's kind of... If you, if you had a business person, a successful business person for a number of years involved in the school setup, I think the, 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 the results would be completely completely different to what you've got now a lot more kind of um like you said less less of the kind of essay work of trying to learn and more life skills yeah. and that that if i look back to my schooling i would have loved to have learned about you know things that i yeah. learned i mean i had a job i was i, do, I worked door to door for two and a half years selling charities 100 mm-hmm. percent commission in all weathers when i was sort of 17 i worked in a call center for a couple of years as yeah. well again all commission i learned more in those three and a half years than i've learned in any lesson any or any job yeah. pretty much that, that that's geared me up to have a stab at running our yeah. our business i tell you what the biggest lesson i learned was during covid so we has so to put it in context it we had pinpoint media we still have pinpoint media right the main yeah. business film animation on location campaigns whatever you have to be on site to create these campaigns for clients right great clients were blocking the doors you weren't going on site to do these shoots for instance and at the time we only did video this was four or three years ago okay fine so we can't do video so we'll go yeah. into animation okay fine so the revenue is not coming from animation animation specifically to be able to to weather the storm this was before the bank of rishi became a thing yeah. all the you know sea bills and bounce backs and furlough um and i had some contacts in the medical world that were doing hand sanitizer and 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 oh uh, yeah, yeah. And, and units that you put your hand under and then the, the sanitizer you know all the kind of pp stuff nitrile gloves whatever we started a business called easy breathing we had it for 12 weeks. We did 12 and a half, well, no, 11 and a half million pounds worth of business. Wow. We signed a deal with Amazon to distribute 30 million products specifically to them, which they were selling onto the NHS. We thought, great. We thought, this is brilliant. We're solving a problem. We're making some money. We're being able to fund. We're being able to fund Pinpoint because there is no bank of Rishi at this point. Yeah. The money can siphon through, keep the cash flow going, keep the staff employed. Everybody's happy, right? Yeah. Might not make some profit, but you'll be able to use that as cash flow. Yeah. Cool. Everybody's happy. This deal with Amazon was going through 12 ships from China, 12 ships coming over. So that takes 12 weeks, a week a ship, basically. Yeah. So it's about a million pounds a ship. We factored the money through a company who basically, because we had the PO, gave you the money. You could pay the five and a half million pound deposit to the yeah. factory in China, cash, five and up, off you go. Um, they'd do the products, they'd make the products, they'd put them in the package, whatever. Great. At this point, you still made no money. You haven't yeah. been paid by Amazon at this point at all. Yeah. Okay, it goes on the ship, fine, comes across, delivered, great, delivered, great, delivered. And we knew the terms and conditions of the invo- of the of the of the contract was we can cancel on or up to the penultimate order. But okay. we can't after that, right? So you could effectively have eleven orders. Correct. Yeah. And they can cancel, right? Now, the way it was worked was that the money, the profit, let's just say, so we didn't have to we washed our face with the revenue from everything else in terms of paying suppliers and whatever. The profit was in the last piece, the right, right the last order. What did they do? Well they cancelled. They cancelled the penultimate order. So we never, ever, ever made profit on that. 
We never made money on that. We just simply siphoned money in and out to other people, essentially. Wow. We then, it was a separate business, ring fenced it and we're still going through a lawsuit with Amazon to sue them for it. There's no money in it, but they knew what they were doing. Yeah. They knew, you, you hear these horror stories with Amazon. And the reason I say that story is not because of the numbers or not because of any of that. It was the best life lesson that I've ever had. Yeah. It was an 11 and a half million pound MBA. Yeah. But it, I learned so much to have your contracts straight, to make sure that you have cash flow, make sure that you know your profit margins, make sure you know the delivery points, make sure you know what, who you're going into business with fundamentally. There's not too many people in a chain so that it's not, if it's a penny cheaper, we're going elsewhere sort mm. of thing. Own the IP, all of these things, which I only learned because I had to. But I had no qualifications or understanding of how to do that. I just went, fuck it, I'm going to go into that world. I know people that can advise us. They'll come into that world with me. They didn't necessarily have the business acumen, but they did have the medical and supply acumen, if that makes sense, yeah. right? So it was a perfect storm in that sense. We all had a little bit we brought to the party. I learned so much, mm. so much. And it's taken two years to tell that story. Yeah. You can Google it and you can see the press releases. Good news, good news, good news. Nobody, this is the first time actually, nobody's got that on air, yeah. that we fucked it, basically. Blimey. Yeah. And that's big numbers, which, Huge which numbers. I know you sort of say, you know, it's not about the numbers, and I know it's not, it's about the principle and about the learnings and the yeah. example. But because of those numbers, it makes it sig tell you massively what. significant. It you know, does, but about the numbers the, are yeah. almost irrelevant because whether you were doing five quid or 11 quid or 100 million quid, mm. or whatever it was, for instance, uh, uh, the lesson is still the same. Absolutely. Right? I could have been selling penny chews in the, in, 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 in the park, for instance, yeah. yeah? And you could have still been fucked over in the same way. Yeah. It's exactly the same whether you scale it up or down. Yeah. It's just at what point you learn that lesson. Yeah. And you're never going to learn that lesson by doing an MBA at, at, at university or yeah. doing a lesson at school or whatever, because it's all in a book. Yeah. You know, if you do it in real life, you learn from it. If I make that same mistake again, I'm an idiot. Yeah. But I wasn't to start with because I didn't know what I was doing. I learned yeah. from that. We move on. Great. But if you make the same mistake twice, that's when it's an issue. Yeah, you've got to learn from the mistake. And like you said there, it's there's certain things you can learn by walking the walk and certain things you can learn by reading and doing all that sort of stuff. And I'm all for self-development and all that sort of stuff. You know, I've done that for a number of years. I think it's massively beneficial to read up on things, research things, read books, listen to podcasts, watch videos. But nothing... You know, for me, and again, with my, my example, you know, there's been stuff that's happened in this business where, you know, I've cost a business several thousand pounds in an order at a point when we really, really needed it at the start because of, of wrong decisions, yeah. because of lack of experience or because I've gone and done dealt with something in a certain way and you absolutely learn from it. Mm. If you don't learn from it, you're just never going to get anywhere. And I, that's think a, so. I think that's a skill in itself, being able to realize you fucked it. Yeah. Find out, you know, fix the problem, yeah. find out, fix the problem, learn, yeah. and then look at moving forward. How the hell can I make sure this doesn't happen again? What am I going to take from it? There's yeah. a lot of owners that I've come into contact with, especially in our industry, telecoms mm. and IT. Mm. Most owners, I'm generalizing here, but most owners are arseholes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're the most egotistical yeah, yeah. idiots that you're ever going to meet. You go to, I don't go to the events because I don't want to hang around with those people because I'm not interested in, in palling up with them. Um, but they, they can't understand and realize when they make a mistake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's such, such a weakness. Yeah, and they're, they're so power hungry. Mm. You know? and, 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 you know, if we'd maybe have made that deal and it had come off, and, you know, to be fair, we did do the deal. Yeah. Like it was all completely kosher. It's just they fucked yeah. us over. Yeah. It's not as if we actually technically made any mistake apart from the fact that they were just bullies. Amazon were just bullies, right? Yeah. Um, 
because it was all kosher. The, the, the point is, if that had come off, I wonder if we'd have looked at that lesson in a different way mm. as to, oh, this is easy. Let's do it again, but bigger. Let's yeah. see if we can go into this industry full time. Yeah. I wonder if it would have changed my trajectory in life quite significantly to this is actually significant money and it must it's a piece of piss we've done it once we can mm. do it again let's do 100 million quick wins yeah and then we'd have fucked it and it would have been a much bigger fuck up i think because we you know we were learning as we were going yeah i'm almost pleased we made a mistake yeah because i don't ever want to go into that world yeah well it's gonna make you make different decisions in the future and be more well not necessarily more risk adverse but certainly more thorough 100 uh, in terms of 100%. thinking around what's going on and stuff like that well it's been it, fantastic for our current business yeah because since that happened we went from 12 staff to 33 in a year and a half two years you know we're going to be 40 plus next year yeah you know we're doing we're doubling revenue year on year we know how to do bigger business so yeah. our numbers are bigger we're more confident in justifying those numbers we own the ip we know how to set up processes we know our world fundamentally because we knew it beforehand yeah we diversified into other areas from strategy through to social through to the campaign planning and media buying but we still fundamentally got that world yeah but what it allowed us to do was go if we don't get it we don't touch it and that allows you to become more focused because mm. you can't be the master of everything yeah you know and, and if someone wanted me to you know and i'm going into this world of kind of looking at areas to invest in and i want to get into the startup world again in terms of helping people out and whatever i find yeah. great excitement from that but if i really don't understand it like your world for instance no idea so i wouldn't feel comfortable advising or giving you a steer like that teacher question mm. you know i don't know how to teach people so i can't comment on how they should be teaching people yeah i can have an opinion but i can't tell them how to do it yeah do you know what i mean and you have to be able to walk the walk before you can talk the talk yeah 100 percent. yeah you want to if you are going to advise and say something you need to have the confidence and experience behind it i think for it to warrant any weight or have any relevance to that person exactly it's like podcasting we've had a good conversation about that because i get it you get it yeah but you ask me to talk to you about anything that you I'll do say i get that. it loosely <laughs> you get it more than a lot of other people right yeah but anything else that you do you know i can give you ideas and maybe a steer but you know it's probably not worth its weight yeah yeah, I think you've got to get out there and you've got to do it for yourself. I think you learn so much so much in the last four years, four and a half years we've learned from, you know, we've made more mistakes than we've made probably good decisions. It's just is what it is. It's the to. life. But you got to, I think, the way that I look at that, and I enjoy it. You've I, got I, to kiss a lot of I, I, make, I make a mistake and I think, okay, it's not, the mistake's gone. Mm. Oof, unless it's terminal. But, um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And then it's a bit of a bigger problem. But, but like, even if it is terminal, yeah. I think you can still... You can still move on. You, yeah. you know, you've had people on this podcast that I know very well, that you know very well, yeah. who've nearly committed suicide because of the mistakes they've made. Yeah. But they brushed themselves down and moved on. And that could have been a terminal mistake. It was a terminal mistake for the business. Yeah. It wasn't, thankfully, for them. Yeah. But they still went, oh, I fucked it, but I can, I can improve on this next time because I know why. I See, I think it. that's real strength, is having the humbleness to be able to say, look, this is, the, you know, this is a mistake or whatever. And if you, yeah, if, I mean, I, I'm touch wood feel great that I've never felt in a position where I've wanted to go and commit suicide or I've been that low. I've never, and I hope I don't get to that point, but the strength to pull yourself back from that, from speaking to different people that we've had on, um, from Craig behind me to Daniela to, to other people that have, you know, thought about doing that and then bringing that back round yeah. full circle to then be successful in their own right, mm -hmm. self-made um, and genuinely more importantly than, than that, actually 
feel like they're making a valuable contribution to themselves, their family, yeah. happy, genuine happiness, not fake yeah. Instagram bollocks happiness, real happiness in themselves. That that's a that's a journey that we want to know about. That, yeah. That's stuff that we want to talk about. I think yeah. that's amazing. It's, it's the way the world's going though. Is like looking at it from our lens of an industry, which is fundamentally content, right, and social engagement. The generations that are coming up through the ranks, right, so Gen Z and below, it's all about authenticity. Yeah. So when we used to have, you know, influencers with million plus followers and they'd hold up this bottle of Evian water, I'm assuming it's Evian, soon to be sponsored by Evian. Yeah. Um, other, other waters are available. Other waters are available. <laughs> um, when you hold up this bottle, you go, look at this, I'm, I'm Kim Kardashian with some Evian water. Everyone goes, yeah, I'll buy that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Absolute bollocks. Now it's not about that. Yeah. Now it's about the nano and the micro and, and, and the authenticity around that. You know, you've got 1,000 followers, 2,000 followers, whatever. People are more likely to buy from that because they go, actually, I know, Aaron, I know you. I know, I know what you are, who you are, what you do. I know that that is a good product because you believe in it. And I trust you. Yeah. Rather than, fuck me, it's Kim Kardashian. I'll buy that because I know who she is, but I don't really know what she does. What do you put that down to? Do you, do you think you put that down to people being more clued up and knowledgeable about things like things like holding the, the, the bottle up and saying this is what it is? And people automatically will think, well, you're just advertising, that's not yours. Because there's a lot of, a lot of famous yeah. people that will put their name on the front yeah. of stuff. And yeah. fair enough, that's yeah. good business for them. But yeah. they don't, they've not made the product. They're not interested in the product they're just putting their name to something yeah there's brand uh, association in that sense and, and collaboration mm. right where, where which you, works where, where i think to a degree sometimes but yeah I, th I think you know there, there are good brand collaborations out there and they work they do work really well because you have the loyal following of both brands coming together and maybe seeing some sort of synergy or uses yeah. usage in that right but in terms of why people are dialing back from um, kim kardashian holding up a bottle of water it's because they are bored of being sold to. Yeah, they know now. They're, they're more they're intelligent enough to understand that, you know, she's holding it up like that because you know she she she's selling it. She's getting she's paid getting for paid it. for that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, you know, she maybe doesn't believe in it, right? And it's all about that believability and authenticity and reality. It really is, and native creativity, right? You're going to see a huge change in the next couple of months, maybe even well, next couple of years, where people, companies will stop having really really glossy content across everything mm. and by that I mean instructing people to come in film for a couple of days make a big corporate video make it all very glossy and shiny yeah because people look at that and go yeah you've paid 20 grand for that and it's not really what your company's like is it you set that up to make it look nice people know that as well that's yeah. the problem isn't yeah. It? yeah and it's exactly the same with influencers you set it up to make it look nice what they what they really want is they want people within the organization or people that believe in the organization or want to be associated with it or a product to go actually i just believe in it enough to tell you it's really good mm. you know i i love evian for instance you know buy it because i just genuinely think it's excellent water better than whatever else is. you know yeah. that kind of thing people yeah. believe and buy into more if you get paid it's a byproduct right you know it's fine but the, with our podcast, for instance, take it back to that, the sponsors we have on that podcast are sponsors because we believe in them and they believe in us, right? Yeah. It's not just us going, great, give us some money, we'll, we'll take anybody. It's a partnership, yeah. Exactly. And we, you know, and that works really well because mm -hmm. we go, right, Ecology or we go Capsule, whoever it might be, they are genuinely good businesses making a real difference. Yeah. And we'd use them anyway if it wasn't to do with the podcast. Yeah. And that's the reality. That's yeah. the reality. But that's what people, I think, that in this day and age, that probably why that trajectory, that why that change is happening is because people are more clued up and intelligent around how they view what content is being delivered Correct. to them. And I think that's probably so why things like TikTok have gone huge because 
you know, you mentioned before about this big SA pitch or a big ele- or, or a very small elevator pitch in a small window. I think there are still people out there influencing TikTok, which is just you know they are holding up the water and saying buy this. But I think you get more of that on pla- on on platforms such as Instagram, and Facebook. Then when you go and flip over to TikTok, yeah, it's a bit more gen- it's a bit more genuine. Yeah, it might well, there might be a load of crap on TikTok, yeah. but there's also a lot of genuine yeah. raw content on TikTok, yeah. which I think people buy into a bit more. Exactly that. Exactly that. And making mistakes, going back to that story about the the fuck up in business, right? Yeah. Making mistakes people find value in. Yeah. If you're perfect and you waltz out of school and go into university and go from university into whatever and you happen to have gone to Oxford and you become a prime minister or whatever, people look at that and go fake. Yeah. That's why Matt Hancock is getting so ridiculed on I'm a Celebrity because they just go, you're fake. I don't believe you. I don't like you. That's the reality. But everybody else in I'm a Celebrity, they've either made a mistake, they've got a chip on their shoulder, they've either done well, but they've done well for themselves, for instance. Mike Tindall, for instance, is a sports mm. person. He has become a sports person through grit and determination. Yeah. You know, and yes, he's made some mistakes in his life. We all know the mistakes that he might have made. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. People believe in you more so because of that, which is yeah. why TikTok works. Because TikTok is a platform for reality. Yeah. But reality that isn't staged. Yeah. Much. You know, yes, fine companies now try and stage it to a certain extent yeah. to make it more look, difficult, though, isn't it? Yeah. They make it look like UGC, which is user generated content. But actually, real UGC, if you can get brand into real UGC, yeah. user generated content, you're away. Yeah. You're away. And, and, and Be Real, for instance, that new the, the platform yeah. fundamentally focused on Gen Z. You can't pay for advertising on there, but you are starting to see smart advertising campaigns. Okay. So, for instance, you might have a thousand friends or followers on Be Real, right? Yeah. And you're a cafe. Yeah. And you take a photo when it says time to be real. You take a photo of buy one, get one free for the next 20 minutes. Yeah. Send it out to your friends and followers. Yeah. Boom. All of a sudden, you're going to get people coming in. You're not paying for that. You're yeah, being really yeah. being authentic, but you've just written on a piece of paper. It's not graphical or yeah. anything like that. It's just basic. Honest timing. Exactly. Yeah. And it's smart, and it's quick, and it's palatable, and it's understandable. It's not, right, we're going to throw a load of shit down your throat for the next week and hope you buy some Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah. And that is the way the world's going. Yeah. A lot of content is out there. More content will be out there. But it's making it cut through in an authentic and real way. It's not really annoys me about Instagram specifically is just the the crap that people put on there. I put a video on TikTok, I think it was, um, about it. I don't know why I didn't put it on Instagram. I'm talking about Instagram. Shows how much I know about marketing. Yeah. Eh? Um, but yeah, like it, it just, you, you, you're scrolling through and ended up unfollowing a load of people because of it. So I just felt yeah. like I'd wasted 10 minutes in an evening. I'm consuming this crap about, and it was just these, these like quotes and phrases from, allegedly successful people I didn't know who they was they might be successful I don't know but they were kind of talk, just just talking generally about take risks and do this and do that and I just thought this is the the, the Instagram is flooded with all that stuff mm-hmm. there's nothing genuine in there like I struggle to find stuff that I can really engage with on Instagram because it's just I feel like Instagram is kind of that platform where mm-hmm people are fake more often than not you've got all the followers and all this sort of stuff and a lot of the promo stuff goes on instagram and and it's all 12 holidays a year and i've got three ferraris and they're all in matte black and and all this stuff's going on i'm great and i'm really happy and respect you might not be happy you're probably miserable and you're just shoving it on instagram and how old are you how old are you 34 34. Why did I have to think about that then? That's weird. Before <laughs> I asked that question, I said you're 30. I was thinking you're 34. I don't know where, where I got that from. Maybe 35 LinkedIn. soon. I keep getting reminded I'm halfway to 40. <laughs> When's your birthday? In January. January? My other, yeah, my other ass, um 27. 
she winds me up constantly and then I'll just say well you're you're most of the way to 30 so don't care <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you're worse <laughs> yeah there's wisdom with age isn't there yeah but in terms of your Instagram feed then I imagine the majority of your stuff that you see on there is probably on wall, the, the wall, the Instagram wall, right? People have yep. uploaded the photo and it's on there, they've got a little caption or whatever. Yeah. Right, interesting. Because if you dial it back to Gen Z and you have a look at their Instagram feed, yeah. it won't be on the wall, it'll be on their stories. Okay, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's bang, photo on, great, it's off the next yeah. day. But it's that, it's, that, it's that living in the moment to a certain extent, but not faking too much. So in terms of Pinpoint Media then, mm -hmm. uh, Oliver, how did that idea come about? What was the kind yeah, yeah. of plan? When did that happen? So the plan, there wasn't really a plan, I suppose. But what happened was university, I wanted to, I wanted to be a presenter. So I wanted to go in, do TV presenting. You know, I actually thought, right, Top Gear looks like quite a cool thing. Yeah. How do I become a Top Gear presenter? I like cars. Yeah. That was the reality. Anyway, quite difficult is the answer. Yeah. Quite difficult to become a presenter. But the way that presenters tend to work is they have their own production company. Yeah, okay. Chris Evans has one, Rowan Atkinson has one, Clarkson has one, for instance, right? Yeah. Um, thus meaning that you can technically, if you have an idea, get it produced and whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, that is a way to do it, right? That was the idea. It didn't really work. So I thought, right, okay, cool. I'm going to learn, I'm going to make some videos for companies, right? Just to cut my teeth yeah. in content. Put something out on Twitter, and I said, "What was it? It was like a video for fifty quid or something like that." So when was YouTube. this? Was this? Sort this of was at university year two. So, so I was 18, 18, 19, yeah. eighteen. Yeah, so I was eighteen. Um, shoved it on Twitter. I said, "Right, video fifty quid. You know, let me know. We're all cool, kind of thing." Had this gym chain contact me. We went and did this. Okay. Yeah. Did this video for this gym chain for like fifty quid. Anyway, I thought, okay, this is interesting. It's kind of kind of fun being paid to do some stuff that you quite enjoy. Fine, cool. Let's do a model where it's kind of critical mass. So we go three videos for one hundred and fifty pounds a video. Yeah. Right. And that was fine because at university you could afford to do that. Let's say because actually you had no cost apart from maybe a student loan. Yeah. And a, maybe some beer money, for instance. Right. Um, so that was cool. We started to kind of grow because this critical mass model meant we could undercut other agencies or other companies or production companies as it was then because it was just video. Um, grew, grew, grew. Year three-ish of university, we had enough content coming through to be doing kind of a couple of grand a week, which meant I had to have an editor because I yeah. was doing the filming and the editing at this time, right? Okay, yeah. So I was doing everything, everything from selling to filming to editing to driving around the country, doing all this kind of stuff. Um, I liked the filming, but I hated the editing because you were sat down in an office, right? Yeah. So I was going out and filming all this stuff, hired an editor, he was doing the editing, cool. That then meant that we had a bit more capacity, so that meant we could do a bit more selling. We got to a point where we had to then get someone to go and do the filming, and it grew very organically at that mm. point, until it got to a point where um, uh, we essentially needed to make a decision on margins. Do we continue to do the stack it high, sell it cheap business model, which is critical mass, and only gets you so far unless you've got you know, 30 or 40 shoots coming on a, a day. Yeah. You know, We were doing that a week, but a day, um, or do we change it slightly? And do we make it where it's actually more competitive in cost, high quality, but still low cost, but more competitive, right? Yeah. So we started to manipulate and change all this and, and have a look at margins and grow the business in that sense. We moved around different offices, etc. Where we really, really started to see quite a significant return come in was by going to events companies, you know, big events, small events, whatever, okay. and going, don't worry about paying us to come to site. We'll do you a free marketing video let's say for next year but what we want to do and this is way this was what, three years probably before gdpr became a thing what we want is your database yeah we want your database of people companies that are exhibiting at your your event for instance like let's say the game fair or business live or whatever it might be i want that database 
two or three months before the actual event itself. Yeah. So yeah. what I can do is get on the phone and I can go, you're exhibiting at that place for 300 quid, we'll come by your stand and we'll do you a 30 second video. This was before high volume content on social media was a thing, right? Yeah. So we would then go, great, cool. You'd be picking the phone up, everyone would go, yeah, whatever, 300 quid, cool, I'm there anyway. You do 30 or 40 of these in a day at this yeah. point, right? 300 quid each, great bank then you're making good margin then you can make a nice video for the events company then you can start to invest in better people better brand better marketing mm. better website whatever then we had the pandemic that kind of hit to a certain extent we were kind of tweaking changing growing we probably did a million and a half before that pandemic hit um and we changed everything it, we obviously locked the doors but we had to lock the doors yeah we went into this other build other business that we sort of started but we also took a step back from the mothership so pinpoint and went what do we want to do we can't continue to scale to the five six eight ten twelve million revenue that we need to be doing yeah we can grow but it might have its limits so we'll go into strategy media distribution social organic paid you know the lots essentially full agency 360 agency yeah so we did we rebranded we hired some properly expensive people because we took out sufficient funding to be able to do that yeah um and we invested into the business i think we put a million and a bit pounds into the business over, over, over that year rebranding the lot that was the best thing we've ever done we stepped back we looked at it we went no we're going to invest heavily we're going to make sure that we're not necessarily as profitable as we could be for this period but we're going to look at the next two or three years and that was one of the better things that we did because because we could then grow scale bring better talent in that was far better than us you know, and make it into something that was much, much, much bigger than the sum of its parts. So that's quite a big decision to make, considering you arguably at that time are still doing okay. In, for yeah, for yeah, a normal yeah, per yeah. person looking at it, thinking, okay, 300, yeah. you know, doing sort of things yeah. like that, like those events, yeah. you know, 12, 15 grand of, 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 of income and turnover in that event with, a you know, you're there anyway, yeah. seeing all these people, yeah. very little cost of sales going into that. So you've well, then got a you really retain high them, margin. Right? Then you retain them as well. You do their videos in three yeah. months' time. So it's a yeah. beautiful business model. Yeah. But it's so got it its limits. So it takes a big decision to come away from that sort of a business model and thinking yeah. that's not really right for us. Yeah. We need to change that when it's already working. Yes. It, 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 I think the reason that we did it is because it wasn't going to ever be as big as we could see it potentially needing right, to be, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. Because, yeah, granted, you're doing good money. And I was 26, probably. Yeah. I'm 29 now, so probably 26. Doing a million, a million and a half a year, for instance. But it was so stressful because yeah. the churn was so great okay. and yeah. the margins were so tight that we didn't have the ability to be able to to get really 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 good people in to take it to that next level okay you know we had amazing filmmakers we had amazing editors we had amazing animators but we didn't have the margins to take a senior team in okay right so that therefore meant that it was me business partner fergus who was basically doing everything doing the sales right we're doing the ops we're doing the hr we're doing the management and that is sustainable to a certain extent for the four or five years that we had it at that point but to take it to a point where actually we can be bigger than the sum of its parts mm. you have to make a decision whether you either go this is a lifestyle business we'll do a million two million a year for instance and that's fine it'll be yeah. a bit painful but that'll be that yeah we either go we'll sell it and get out and we won't take much but we'll be out and we can do something else yeah or we go we are going to compound and we're going to invest, we're going to consolidate and we're going to see in three years if we can make that make that back, right? And the reality is that's what we did. So you mentioned Fergus. Yeah. Family? He's not family. He's not a brother. He's not a lover. He's just coincidentally has the same surname. Okay. Met him at university. Strange. It's random, isn't it? <laughs> really random. We'd have probably made more actually if we charged someone a pound every time they asked us. <laughs> um, we met at uni. 
Um, he went and did an events business, started an events business, yeah. um, experienced events, worked with like Monster Energy, Mary Chandon, the lot kind of thing, Boardmasters yeah. Festival, really cool. And then he, what did he do? He sold his shares in the business because he didn't want to continue with his then business partner. Because okay. I bought, ironically out at that point, my other business partner. Because I started Pinpoint, had it for six months, took on a mate, gave him 50% equity, gave him 50% yeah. equity. Fucking mistake that is. Anyway, <laughs> three years later, he wanted to be bought out. So he yeah. texted me saying, do you want to buy me out? You can earn twice as much. I said, are you drunk? And he doesn't drink. I said, are you drunk? The answer was no. So I had to buy him out for an astronomical sum at the time. Yeah. Um, just coincidentally, my mum was selling a house and she managed to loan me the money for the buyouts. Did that, fine, whatever, another story. Fergus was also coincidentally at that time buying or selling his shares back to his business partner. Okay, timing was good. Random, like yeah. complete serendipity. But he was in Cheltenham at that point. He was down in Sussex doing the business, but he came up to Cheltenham to see me just for a chat. Anyway, that happened. I was like, well, I've bought Henry out and he's, he's gone. He's fucked off. Like he's done as of today. That text, you can't carry on after that text. Yeah. Um, do you want in? And he was like, well, yeah. And I was like, I'm not giving you the shares because I've learned not to do that because it costs too much. Yeah. You buy in or you don't come in. He was like, that's okay, that's fine, because I've just sold my shares in my bit. So he bought in for a reduced fee, but bought in. Um, and he brought that strategic and operational side to the business that I don't have. Yeah. Because I, I, and he'll say the same, he does the boring stuff and I do the more fun, zany, innovation stuff, chatting to people, whatever. Um, but my then business partner also did the same as me, so it didn't work, okay. if that made yeah. sense. Yeah. There was a limit. Um, but ever since then, we've kind of been, we've, we've got the same sentiment, but we've been kind of two pieces in the pod. He does one thing, I do another, but we don't do the same thing because you've got very, very different focuses and enjoyments in life, okay. which works really well. Yeah, I think that works well when you've got the DNA running straight through both of you that's very similar in terms yeah. of what you want to achieve, yeah. but you may go in, go about it in a slightly different way because you bring different things to the table, don't you? Oh, 100%. You mentioned about your your, your, the business, your previous business partner. Yeah. So... Were you, were you in, did you know at the time that things weren't going particularly well or um, was there any, was there any, you know, was it just a text out the blue? Yeah. Yeah. I've still got it. I mean, it was, it wow. was so much out of the blue that it was. And you've been doing business for how long at that point? Uh, three and a half years. Three and a half years. We're probably doing. A lot of pain going in them three and a half years together. 700 grand revenue per year, probably give or yeah. take. So when he wanted to be bought out for the value that he did, I mean, our accountant down valued it by a multiple of three versus what I bought him out for. Right. Um, but when someone says to you, do you want to buy me out? And you say to them, no, you they then have to that, stay surely. in the business, right? <laughs> they then have to stay in the business. Yeah. And then they're never going to put their all into the business because they evidently want to be there, right? But if, so that was the conundrum I was in. Mm. It was like, I want to I want to buy you out because you want to be bought out. But the value that you want to be bought out for, I, we, we haven't got the fucking money in the business. Yeah. Like we're doing 700 grand. There's no way in hell I can pay you what you want to be paid. Yeah. Right, and again, luck is a massive thing in in, in life, generally. Yeah. Mum happened to be selling her house. She happened to be able to liquidate enough cash to be able to give me the money to be able to buy him out, and then I repaid it over the next year, for instance, Yeah, which worked really well. And I actually specifically wrote a contract with my mum yeah. to make sure that it was legally binding, to make sure that if I got it wrong, she could take me for whatever she could take me for, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I didn't want to go... Oh great! Thanks for the money. Yep, I'll spend that. And oh, sorry, Forgotten I can't pay. It, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I wanted to put that structure in place. Um, but Come yeah, that was—I didn't see it coming. So that, so when you, the day you got that text, yeah, how did you feel when you read it? Very confused, but also adamant that he was joking. Adamant. Like, I didn't see it coming. Yeah. 
if I'd have seen it coming, I'd have probably, I would have probably not been a as shocked, and b I'd have been prepared to be able to go, yeah, that's fine. Let's talk about the money, mm. rather than are you drunk? Yeah, you know, or I might have brokered it and gone, actually, it's not working for us, is it? Because that's a huge message to receive. Yeah, in you know, you're thinking about how that's going to be how that's going to be thought of in terms of the business if this person doesn't want to be in a bit how long has he felt this way what's he, you know that, that would get my mind racing yeah. for days just to get an explanation of well, why we're in this position especially when you go into it together he was great is great and we're still very you know we still chat we're great mates still yeah you know, that's, that's fine we both had different wants okay right he was five years older than I was right he had a goal by the time he was 30 I was still a lot younger yeah right um he wasn't going to get to that point if he stuck with us in the business. Right. So he had already made that decision in his mind to go, I can get there quicker if I take this lump from the business now and fuck off. Mm. Right. I can put that into property and I can multiply that over the next five years. Whereas I was like, no, 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 no. This is great. We can scale this. We can grow this. I can make good money from it in good time. Yeah. And maybe at the end of the tunnel, there might be something bigger. Yeah. You know, and we're still on that journey. And there's still so much that we want to do. You know, moving from going into video into going into Web3, for instance, now and going into crypto, blockchain, whatever, AR, VR, really exciting time. But a thing that would never have got to that point had, I think, Henry still been in the business. Exactly. And he'll it's accept just a different that. approach. And different he'll approach, accept different. That. Totally different approach. He'll accept that. You know, he's now he's now CEO for um, Forest Green Rovers Football Club, right? Oh, wow. Well, yeah. You know, so he, he's CEO from Forest Green. But he left Pinpoint and immediately went into that role because that was where his passion was. Mm. He loved football. He wanted to go into that. He could see where he could be at 30. He could see what he could do. And that was his decision. And, you know, for a year and a half, we didn't speak. You know, I thought, you can fuck right off. I've given you mum's money. I haven't got any cash left here. Yeah. You are the one that's come out better off. It's not okay. Yeah. But you mature. And I realized, actually, it was, whilst painful at the time, a good move good move for him and you by the sounds of things yes. in hindsight yeah, but in hindsight. difficult at the time because of your relationships and 100%. all that sort of stuff 100%. where the money's come from is tough because it's uh, look, if yeah. the money was in the business I don't think I'd be as it's personal at yeah. that point isn't it basically it's very personal it's like yeah. you, I, we have basically just given you a house there you go mum's given you a house you're fucking lucky that she's been she sold it so you didn't speak for a year and a half no. who made the first move to make the communication that must have been quite a big move for someone to open yeah. that channel up again that's it so it was actually the only reason we started speaking again and I can say it now is because the share buyback was done wrong was was basically incorrectly done because the money wasn't in the business okay so, so, so to do a share purchase or share buyback agreement you have to have the cash in the business right to be able to do it and you have to pay them in a lump yeah you can't pay them in drips and drabs right so the way that it was set up as far as I can understand was incorrect so our current lawyers looked at it when Fergus bought into the business and went, you realise that Henry's technically still a shareholder because this was all wrong. You what, sorry? <laughs> yeah. Hold on, I've given him 340 fucking thousand quid yeah. and he's still a shareholder. What? Anyway, we then sued the law firm that did it. Yeah. I had to then re-engage Henry to go, Henry, mate, we need to talk about this. We're on the same team here for once and we're not going against each other. Yeah. On the same team. We need to make sure that this company, the, the law firm, pay you the tax liability and the damages that this has caused yeah. for instance um, okay cool we'll chat and we did and that was the only reason that we started to talk again was because my lawyers had gone that's wrong and I went okay let's get Henry involved because he's clearly part of this now 
not that we were trying to fuck him over yeah. or anything at that point it was we need to be in this together to get this sorted and it was again serendipity Completely I, I love how life works like that it's so strange when you look back in and you can only do it with hindsight and experience look back at real difference making points in your life whether it's about people money business strategy your own you know whatever it is and, and and a lot of these things just come up because of a certain random situation that occurs because most of the time because of a mistake yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it's it, it, nine times out of ten you get through life with a little bit of a little bit of luck a little bit of luck a bit of focus and a lot of mistake yeah basically well when i was when i was sitting down with claudia um she she was doing netball right you know fast forward four years she's you know yeah. for five years now she's playing at the weekend against New Zealand for it's England. It no, but she was she wanted netball. Yeah. And she got thrown a rugby ball in uh, in uni. That's mad, isn't it? <laughs> like what it's happens mad. if that hadn't have happened? It's, it's yeah. and but that's someone that's got to an elite level. Yeah. I just feel like well, I I love these conversations because it kind of yeah. it, a lot is just on situations. Yeah. It's crazy. It, and, it's, it's and so that's easy. why when you're negative I think you need to keep open-minded mm -hmm. to finding situations honestly i'm one of the most positive people and it pisses fergus off to bits right because fergus is very pragmatic and very like he's very good with reality if that makes sense the yeah. here and now yeah i'm always three six twelve months ahead of where we currently are yeah right that's always been me but it's like if something goes wrong for ferg he'll go i need to sort that out that's a real negative yeah which is a good way of being most people are like that yeah. Right. That 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 is that's the frontal lobe of your brain being focused on what needs to be sorted. Yeah. Right. However, I think I've got more limbic brain in me than I have frontal lobe, which is the the chimp part of the brain. Right. Yeah. In terms of going, okay, I get that that's the logical thing to do, but actually, I'm passionate about this. We're going to go over here and we're going to do this, and this is going to be quite a good fun. How does that work in terms of? Because the reason why I'm asking this, work? I'm, I'm working <laughs> quite. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm asking this for a reason. You've just described mine and John's relationship, who's my right. business partner yeah. for Guru exactly the same yeah. if he can find an issue with a situation he'll find it if it's to the point where sometimes it's slightly negative yeah that frustrates me because i look at the situation with an honest out with an honest hat on but also in its best light yeah yeah and yeah. i'm looking at okay the potential yeah. of this how can we explore this not just shutting this down because this bit of paperwork's not what they said it was going to be for example yeah it's very very different approaches which i think and i know frustrates him from time to time and frustrates yeah. me from time to time so the relate that relationship seems really similar how do you guys operate and get through all those situations so it was i think it was fine for the first couple of years because it was like, okay, I'm the founder of the business, so actually, if it's a good idea, we'll just go with it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas actually, the way that it's, as the business has matured and grown and it's just got a bit bigger, we've got processes in place now where actually, technically anything operational, anything fundamentally that has to be done within the business that needs to be done properly, legally, and right, goes to Fergus, yeah. right? He has an NED, non-exec director, well, I, we have an NED that sits above him, He's then got senior leadership below him, right? Yeah. So he has filters and people to talk to that have experience in X, Y, and Z. So it's mm -hmm. not just us muddling through. Yeah. First, that's foremost. the difference of putting those levels in. Correct. Isn't it? But yep. having a third party an NED, one of the best things we've ever done. Really. And that only came to fruition two years ago, right? But because when we have tricky conversations, and I'm adamant that we're going to put it on black, and he's like, "No, we're going to hedge our bets and do red and black because it's safer." I go, but you're wrong, 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 whatever, fine, the limbic brain comes out and I get very passionate about it. But if you're in the room with the NED, he goes, he okay, I can see both the opinion. deal. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah. And actually, 
it's not a negative to have that set up in a business at all. Mm. You know, you and your business partner, it's fantastic that you are passionate and that you want to drive it forwards and you look at the future. And it's great that he wants to do the here and now. Because going back to the point with Henry when I started, he was the same personality type as You're me. patting yourselves on the back and just doing what you both want to do. Same thing, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And we've done Enneagrams and Myers-Briggs in the business. Everybody in the business does it, right? So we know if they're a, a, a number eight, a number four, a number three, whatever it might be. And we know how each person will work with one another, right? From a wings point of view, which is the bits that you, when you're happy, you go over there. When you're sad, you go over there. Yeah. Um, so we know from a structural point of view, great the creative team or the strategic team or the media buying team or the whatever team work well together because they've got the right people in it. Mm. So Ferg and I work well together because we know actually we need to have a mediator in the middle. Sometimes if it were to go south or we were to be too passionate, and we were both to go to our opposite wings, we need to just put that NED in there just to make sure that we go back to the you know, reality. Yeah. And actually that's great because it does drive the business forward. You it's clever to have that structure, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I like that. So talk to me about um, your podcast. So talk to me about success in the mind. So we're talking, you know, looking at what, what you, you know, you're very further down the line than where we are, 60 plus episodes. You've had some great people on, some really, really fantastic people on. I've listened to a few episodes, so I definitely, I'm an advocate for it. Really, really great. And, and you've done some sort of a deal with Virgin that you're on Virgin flights now. So, you know, it seems like the business is going, you've got the trajectory of the business is going in the right direction successful yeah. you've won awards for uh, for business 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 awards other bits and pieces you you've been or you are a princess trust i was mentor yeah, as well was, yeah. so you've got experience there which is great and the podcast is now taking off really well we've got some great people on it, some great conversations so tell me about the podcast and how that's come about and that story yeah yeah, yeah. um i was bored literally <laughs> I was bored and I thought, I've, this is again, pandemic story. Yeah. I thought, everybody's fucking shit up here. I'm sure I'm not the only person that's going through this specific problem. Yeah. Because everybody's going through a problem of sorts right now. So I'm gonna go and talk to, mostly at that point, mates, about what they're, you know, one of them was a gin company. Yeah. He happened to have turned what he was doing into making hand sanitizer for an yeah. alcoholic. Okay, problem, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Makes sense, cool, get that. So I was then sitting down with Felix, was his name from Siblings Gin, and going, and it's still on there, one of the first episodes. You know, what have you done? Why is this going well? Why is this going badly? And having, like we are now, a completely candid conversation, almost yeah. like counselling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just happen to have a microphone there. Yeah. And because of that, and because we had so much downtime as a business during the pandemic, but we run a media business, we had the kit, we had the team, we had the knowledge to be able to go, well, let's just make some shit hot edits here. Let's get them out online. Let's put them onto Apple, onto Spotify, whatever it might be, onto YouTube, onto wherever it was at the time, and we'll just make them good. Mm. Because that's all, we, you know, that's all we can do at the moment. It's, yeah. it's just, we're recutting our teeth and we're keeping ourselves engaged. Cool. <clears throat> we started to get a bit of a following. Started to get a bit interesting. I ran out of mates to talk to. And I was like, oh, well, well, <laughs> yeah. I've only got three. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, what am I gonna do here? So I then messaged people that I found inspirational personally. Yeah. And I wanted to, to know a bit more about. Yeah. You know, so I'd go out to, uh, uh, who did we have? Harry from Goats, he came on. I thought Harry would be fun. So he, now 200 person agency, uh, they're probably gonna be an uh, influencer agency. They're probably gonna be doing, I reckon the first billion dollar influencer agency in the world in the next five wow. years or so, I'd imagine. They're 150 million at the moment. Um, so really good. But I thought, how the fuck have you done that in three and a half years? 
I want to talk to you. That's crazy, yeah, yeah. I want to talk to you. So, so he came on, and obviously he had fuck all to do in the pandemic as well. So he was like, yeah, no worries at all, I'll do that. And that's the point. People had so much time to give you, yeah. and having those candid conversations, they could almost ask you questions or take solace in the fact that you were asking them and they were reaffirming their decision. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did you do that? Well, I did that because of, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, okay, cool. So that was interesting. People enjoyed that because it was real and it mm. wasn't fake in any way. And it grew over time. We got to series three. We managed to get a sponsor which allowed us to then not have to personally invest in it, right? Because we were putting company time, company money, X, Y, and Z in it. To get the sponsor allowed us to go, cool, let's make this bigger, let's go for some big boys, and we'll have a bit more fun with it. It yeah. wasn't much money, but it was enough to kind of break even on it, if you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, um, gives you a platform to move it forward, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. So then we started to go, well, who do we aspirationally want to be in bed with as a business, right? Who do we want to work with? Who do we want to talk to? Okay, so there's, you know, Dr. Pauple is a prime example. Really nice brand in lots of, you know, Waitrose, for instance, completely nationally. Yeah. You know, you can go into a shop and buy it right now. Um, Pauline and Johnny came on a year ago. Last week, we signed a deal to do their social, to do their, to their content for their social. Really cool. Really nice brand. You know, that's yeah. great. Because you've got an hour and a half, two hours with somebody. Yeah. You're building that rapport. They yeah, understand yeah. you. You understand them. You happen to make a fantastic episode because you get business and they get business. And you can talk about the same stuff you are also able to then talk to them about how you can potentially help them or they can potentially help you. Yeah. Our NED came from the podcast, our insurers came from the podcast, um, our future sponsor in theory came from the podcast. You know, three or four clients have come from the podcast, our energy providers come from the podcast with Greg Jackson from Octopus, Octopus Energy. It, yeah. <laughs> you look at the podcast, it's, like a, it's yeah. almost an incubator for us and, and people listen to it and go, that's really interesting. They're all in the same world, in, this, in the same world from an entrepreneurial or a business standpoint but they're in different sectors, but they're all having the same issues. Mm. I can relate to that. And that was kind of how it took off. And then Virgin came because I was a bit ballsy. Have I told you the story about Virgin? I don't know. I'm really interested to see so, how you've managed <laughs> to do that. <laughs> so you know, um, I'll name Stephen Bartlett's Diary of a CEO. You've listened to that? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, he's on British Airways, He's yeah? on BA, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So we um, messaged Virgin. And I said, right, guys at Virgin, I had, I had a game. They hate BA. Well, this is the story, right? Beardy yeah. Branson, he doesn't like yeah. British Airways. Right? Yeah. My NED has good contacts at Virgin. Again, it's who you know, it's luck, it's people, it's connections. Yeah. I said, right, Chris, um, Virgin. He's like, yeah, no, no, here's, here's these two people's email addresses. I was like, excellent. I'm going to put together a small deck, okay, like a presentation, yeah. that tells them about me being dyslexic, dyspraxic, neurodiverse, fucked up at school, one GSSE, got a podcast, whatever. Branson was the main reason I went into business back in the day in yeah. terms of inspiration. Um, and I went, I don't like Diary of a CEO. I credit to what Stephen's done, it's brilliant, yeah. but I just thought for the sake of pitching it, I don't like Diary of a CEO or Stephen Bartlett. A bit like Branson doesn't like British Airways. Yeah. So It's a good narrative to follow. Yeah. British Airways have obviously got Bart Bartlett on, on, on there. Why don't we do something and get my podcast on, on, on Virgin? Here's the reasons that it aligns, right? Yeah. And they were like, that's quite a ballsy pitch, actually. I really like it. So I sent them through the, the podcast with the listenership with X, Y, and Z on it. And they were like, well, at the moment, we can't actually give any, pay for anything because we've just come out of the back end of a pandemic and yep. no planes had flown. Yeah. Just a <laughs> yeah. Yeah. money, basically. Yeah. Um, would you guys be okay with doing some sort of partnership whereby we can use it on their, uh, on all flights internationally, do a bit of PR, put it in the magazine, and give you some press around it? I was like, that's absolutely fine. Crack on, go. Yeah. Because a lot of people were going to them, going, we've seen that podcasts are starting to be a thing. Mm. Do you want to buy it off us? Give okay. us some money, yep. buy it off us. No, we haven't got any money, buy it off you because we're just trying to recover from a pandemic. We were in a fortunate enough position to go, we don't need the money from you guys. 
because we've got the business, we've got the sponsors, but we want the awareness. Yeah. Let's do a deal. If it works, maybe we talk about that down the line. Yeah. And, and it launched a month ago at the point of recording this podcast. So and, how, how yeah. has that changed the trajectory of the podcast in that first month? Is it too early to tell? Well, the interesting thing is airlines and, and, and the systems on them, for instance, from aircraft point of view, aren't online. If okay. that makes sense. So you're not, not really a, sure. Well, the... there's not enough data to be able to, 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 to pull natively from a day-to-day -day basis. You can look at it at the end of the campaign, let's say six months, yeah. but you can't look at it here and now because it has Annoying to be pre-uploaded. Yeah. So it could be going really well. It could be going quite badly. <laughs> yeah. um, my business, it's going well. <laughs> uh, well, you know, who knows? I've, I've actually had people send me photos of them listening to it on the plane. That's great. It was yeah. really cool. I've got yeah. my business development director. She's going on leave to Barbados today. She flies today, and she's currently on a Virgin airline or on a Virgin flight, uh, uh, flying over there. And she's going to send me some content for TikTok. So hopefully, we'll be able to see what it's like when you're going through and having a look at it. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah. But I've actually got in my bag the uh, in-flight magazine. They, I picked it up in London because they were. I was going there to meet them yesterday. Nice. And they gave it to me, so it's pretty fun. Yeah. That's. I mean, that look. They're they're an amazing brand. I mean, yeah. like you, I like and have read. Branson's story, watched, listened, all the books multiple times. It's in his very much into just that kind of differentiator, making a difference, yeah. doing things in his own way, not interesting anybody else, and then being very stubborn and to the point when people are trying to fuck him over. Things like the BA thing was, I mean, what what an idea to have to. Yeah, that's like an incredible story. I think it's, and I just love the idea of, but but having but, fun, but intelligent, really smart, intelligent way of operating because you've you know you know that you know the journey you know the story yeah. you understand the the, the 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 both the businesses is friction yeah. and you've used that with quality with what you've done with the podcast so far yeah. to then go and look at the opportunity it's a really yeah. astute well bit that, of, i mean bit of work it was for me it was just i thought that you probably every, think you're just having a laugh with it i but. was no i genuinely was yeah. i sent it to my ea and i said b check this out have a look yeah. at the presentation you can't send that you can't send so like, why can't we send that and we did, and it was a bit of a bit of a giggle. Um, but I just love the idea of having fun when you're when you when you're doing business, whether you're presenting, you're pitching, you're selling, you're working, you're founding a company. Yeah. If you can't have fun, don't bother doing it. I've, I, might, I I sort of came up with a saying which I kind of live by now, which is there's never a good time to start a business, but in business you should always have a good time. Yeah. And, and by that you're never going to know if today, tomorrow, next year, or next month is the right point to go. Let's go into this 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 world of entrepreneurialism. Yeah. But when you do, make sure you're having fun. Yeah. Because if you get so much so much of the time, you are unable to actually go out and have fun with your friends because you're invested in the business. Yeah. So if you're not having fun in the business, you're not having fun as a I'm person. I'm sorry, are you? but it's yeah. not going to work. You know. Yeah. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because I think back to really stressful periods that we've had, and I look back and I look back quite um, in detail, and there's times where as an owner you've kept up that front and you're genuinely are still having a good time even though there's a lot on and it's busy and it, it's enjoyable because it's busy yeah. even though it's a bit stressful from time to time it's not every single day but it is intense it's busy and you enjoy and you've got a thirst for yeah. for that life and then there's times where i think i've kind of hermited a bit where yeah. things have got really tough and i've hermited under a, under my under my shell which is very unlike me yeah yeah i've maybe worked a little bit more at home than what i should and, and people don't know anything wrong necessarily, but they're also not stupid as well. And you kind of think, well, I'm not really leading properly here. I'm, I'm certainly not having fun because I'm stressed to fuck. Yeah. You know, what does fun even look like? And it, you, you've, you, I've lost myself sometimes over my journey so far. 
try not to, but I do sometimes lose myself in that when things get really intense because you think I'm doing the right thing by the company, me, my family, the people, I'm knuckling down, I'm doing all this ugly work that I don't want to do, I'm getting stuck in. And you actually think, well, a week's gone by and I've done fuck all else. I've not had a good time. I've not seen the office. I've not, in, in, you know, not spoken to my people. I've not led properly. I've not inspired anybody. I've not talked about our journey. I've not talked about the wins, the losses, the challenges. I've just hermited because it's difficult. And it, I think as a leader, it's easy to do that. Oh, it's, it's really easy. And actually, it's something I really, really like doing. Uh, and tonight is actually the night that we're doing it. Every single year, we have a focus on three dinners. So there's three, th- we did one last night. So you have um, the Christmas party for the yeah. whole team. Everyone comes together, massive piss up. We have a lot of fun. We don't talk about work, we have a lot of fun. Yeah. Last night was the SLT, Senior Leadership Team dinner. Yeah. A lot of fun. Don't talk about work. Well, we do for the day, but after that, you go out and you get a piss and you have a bit of fun. Yeah. Tonight is um, the director's dinner. So my business partner and I go out and have fun. We then like to have pointless pints, right? And yeah. this pointless pints thing is really important because whenever something goes wrong or there's an argument or you know, you're stressed or whatever it might be, it doesn't have to be alcohol. It can be a, it could be Coke, it could be water, whatever going and sitting down and just getting yourself out of the office, having that pointless point in conversation around anything is a great distraction, but allows you to not be too ingrained in the day-to-day of the mm. business at that point. Because that makes a massive difference 100%. in terms of how you are as a person. hundred, Which is exactly why we do these things with senior team or with Christmas party or whatever, because you have to be able to celebrate. You, know, you have to be able to put the money back in and go, guys, fucking well done. You know, even if we made no money, we'd still go, guys, let's go out and have a bit of fun. Because yeah. you, you, you can't be in it day to day, every single like minute going grind, 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 grind. If you can't put, a, you, you know, you can't sit back and go, let's just enjoy something. Even if it's just going out for a sandwich in Pret, find the time, find those little things. Have you ever points. felt as a leader, as a business owner, that you've been in a position where things have been really stressful, really strenuous, really intense, and you felt that you can't enjoy it? Yeah. You can't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, growing a business organically gives you that. it's very difficult sometimes when you're growing it organically to actually have points within it that you can take your foot off the gas because Mm. if you have investment it's a different type of pressure Mm. but you have the money in there you're answering to somebody and that keeps yeah it keeps you focused right but it also allows you to say you get given five million pounds worth of investment right you know where you're going you know your burn rate you know what you need to invest that in you know you don't need to make a sale today to be able to fund tomorrow if that makes sense because you have that three-year growth plan Yes, you've got to answer to a board or investors or whatever it might be, but it's a totally different that type of pressure, yeah. you know? Whereas for me, who's grown this, this, this business completely organically, you have A, nobody to answer to, which sometimes is a bad thing, hence the reason we've got NEDs in now, because yeah. I like that ability to go, yeah, no, sorry, I've maybe made a mistake there, yeah. and them ask me questions and me ask them questions. But also, um, when, you're, when you are growing organically, you have to sell, you have to be able to self fund the business yeah and that is a huge amount of pressure yeah and you're very very difficult to actually find enjoyment out of that sometimes when your pipeline isn't there yeah you know when you look at three months ahead and you go fuck actually you know if we don't sell anything in the next month our burn rates three months we're out of business yeah you know then you've got a whole load more you've got to focus you're in the business you can't take your foot off you can't go and enjoy it you can't go on holiday you have to check your emails you can't see your friends whatever you know that is a spiral i think that's worse for the the over emotional not over emotional so I'll change that I think that's worse for the passionate person in that relationship in that in that business ownership partnership because you're meant to be the passionate charismatic inspirational guy that is positive 24-7 it can be serious when he wants to be but you've got to be that guy that's yeah. leading and doing that stuff when you know you've got some terminal stuff coming yeah. and if you don't pick it up probably yourself 
that is a tremendous pressure and that's something that I've felt over four years that's been a struggle to deal with and I think there's been times where I've dealt with it okay and nobody would know mm-hmm. and there's been times where in the last two years I think probably I would say if I'm speaking openly three four months of that two year period where I haven't even recognised who that person is mm-hmm. and that's me mm-hmm. like, I've not been the same person through those periods and maybe that's a choice maybe that's just I'm um, letting stress get too much for me when it happened or worrying over worrying about stuff I can't control I mean that, that I try to think about really how I got into that position and how I got myself out of it and how I can stop myself getting into that position mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. and I think it was kind of I look back at it and I said to Sophie, my partner, last week, only this last week did I kind of clock it, was during that three, four-month period, I didn't have a light at the end of the tunnel. Didn't have anything to go for. Sounds weird, like, I, I want to work hard because I want my people to have a, a great opportunity. I want us to run a good business. I want to have pride. I want to yeah. be successful. Yeah. I want to look after my own family. I've got a kid, another kid on the way in January. I want to want to make sure I take a good amount of time off to enjoy that experience because I never did that before. There's so many things driving, but there wasn't a light at the end of the tunnel. I felt like th- th- there was that much stress and intensity and people coming at us, other yeah. companies coming at us and costing us business to the tune of like ha- half of what our payroll would cost in one deal, which fucking hurt, Yeah, you know, um, and made a huge impact on us during that time last yeah. year through no fault of our own at all. Yeah. You know, we were working on that deal for four years. Yeah. Even before the business was starting, we were conjuring yeah. something up. Yeah. And and we lost it because of something completely out of our control, yeah. which put our business in turmoil. Yeah. And nobody knows that out there, actually. Yeah. But it did. Yeah. And I went, it, it was difficult to deal with. Yeah. Really difficult to deal with. Well, it is. And actually, one of, I mean, I, I've, I've been in situations where I've put money into an idea and it's not worked, yeah. you know. And it's similar to that, where you put your life and your soul into it, and it doesn't work. You feel like you want it more you know, than the other person the money wants it sometimes, actually, don't you? The money is easy to lose, yeah. but it's the passion. When you lose the passion, yeah, that's the hardest to get back. Yeah, you know. And I know that's a very throwaway comment, but you know, whether it's ten pounds, twenty pounds, hundred grand, whatever it is, depending on your personal circumstance, what you can and can't lose. You know, losing money is never a good thing, but it's far, far, far easier to get back than it is losing your passion. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you lose your passion for this business right now, I can guarantee you that it's going to be over. Yeah. You know, and then you lose everything. Then yeah. you lose the money as well. Yeah. Then you lose your future, right? But if you just lose the cash, you look at another way to get that cash. Yeah. Because you've still got that passion which drives, drives you, you looking you know I mean? at the opportunity. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I think that's, that's critical. You'll never be able to start a business, grow a business, exit a business if you haven't got an element of passion and an element of, of, of just grit. How do you keep your work ethic high and your passion high? I set myself goals, regularly goals. And I've had goals from when I started, from like 18, I want to be this or do this, 25 this, 30 this, whatever, whatever. And they might not even be goals that anyone else would associate with me or even frankly think that is a goal. Do you know what I mean? It might just simply be, I want an extra hour in bed every Friday morning. Mm. in the next year you know at the end of next year I want to be able to work half days on Friday for instance that's not my goal but that could be a goal for instance it could be that you want to you know buy a new car or whatever it might be by setting myself these metrics these goals these things that I can I can KPI myself on Mm. drives me to make the business bigger the business better the culture better the people happier and fundamentally make sure that I'm staying as sane as I can so discipline must be important with that because for somebody watching and listening to this when it goes out they could turn around and say to you well you could have Fridays off now 
And I've it's never, your, your business. Yeah, 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 yeah. You and can that, have that off now. You're the guy that makes the decision. It's not going to impact point. the business too much. Why yeah. wouldn't you do it now? And that's really interesting because different people would, I think. And, and, and for me, I'm never about working less. And none of my goals have ever been to work less. You know, We're currently going through a fund for a completely different business of ours that is actually not a business, it's a concept. It's a TV program, actually, nice. um, which is very cool. Um, but that takes extra time, right? Mm -hmm. So we're, we're kind of making ourselves busier again. And for me, yeah. it's for, for what really motivates me is is the is innovation. Yeah, is coming up with ideas, not stagnating, yeah. and making something bigger than the sum of its parts, right? Yeah. So I'm never going to go great. I've grown a business to whatever we are these days. I'm going to take Fridays off, put my feet up, and go and play tennis. You know, not interested in that at all. What I would do is I'd go right, guys. We've got a business that's as big as it is now. I'm going to take Fridays off to start another business or to go and do something okay. that is going to grow into something bigger than the sum of its parts, right? I, and, and again, goals are different for different people. Most of my goals are not even time-focused. They're more ability-focused, if that makes okay, sense. Okay, that's interesting. So they're more, okay, I want the ability to go and live in Dubai or live in France or live in Italy but I'll never not focus on the work because of that goal, do you know what I mean? Mm. So they're never gonna impact the work. It's always gonna be scale. We're always gonna be scaling it. So if, you, if, you're, if you're somebody, and I know for a fact, because we've spoken to hundreds of the people over the, over the last sort of 14 months, of the 13 months, 14 months of the podcast, a lot of people have jobs, wanna start something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, side, little side hustle, you know, everything great starts from a side hustle. Um, what? Best, but because of your experience, what little nuggets of advice, maybe two or three little snippets of advice would you give to people that are currently employed yeah. that maybe want to go and do something for their self, yeah. but they're not really sure on whether they want to take the risk yeah. or whether they can make it work or whether yeah. they've got enough knowledge and experience to go and do it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> use the employer's time, firstly. Yeah. Don't, don't throw the towel in and go, right, this is the best idea you know, since sliced bread. I'm going to be selling this stuff from a dropship point of view. Yeah. Um, and, and leave your job. That's the biggest mistake you can make. What you should do is you should just a couple of hours in an evening, maybe a weekend or so, and just try this idea out. Put a little bit in, something that you can afford to lose, just test it, iterate it, see if it works, see if it has a bit of traction. Just put one product out or just do a bit of market research within the, the sort of scope of your employment, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do not risk, do not risk leaving your job because if the concept works, then you might want to look at dialing back the days from your job, putting a bit of time into that business and working part-time in your current employment. When it really starts to take off, then you might have the confidence to throw the towel in fully with yeah. that employed job and go, go, go fully self-employed. But, but people that go, this is the best thing, I know I need to go and get funding for it, and the investor's going to want to see me in that business full-time, so I'm going to quit this job on 100 grand a year. Massive mistake, huge mistake. Because actually you look at it and you go, where's the security you're going to just then use the investor's money to fund your salary yeah so actually that money's not going to be used quite as effectively as if you had a salary coming in from somebody else yeah even if 50 percent of it was coming exactly. from somewhere else you've got double the time exactly yeah yeah so i think it's it's personal circumstances for sure i think if i were employed and i had an idea i'd put the additional hours in above and beyond where i'm currently at mm -hmm. if that makes sense to test iterate make it work and have proof of concept yeah that 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 for me would be what i'd do but it does differ. It does How differ. have you dipped into things like your crypto and yeah. Web3 and stuff like that? Is that something you're actively doing quite a bit on or have you sort of dipping your toe? Yeah. How's that all? I actually sold all my crypto. I had mainly Ethereum and a bit of Bitcoin, but I got rid of it. Um, and I, I think the thing is, everything I do is not because I want to make something 
make money from it. Do you know what I mean? It's because I want to learn about it or be involved yeah. with it. So next year, one of my goals, let's go back to the goals, next year I want to invest in businesses, yeah. right? Got a couple of businesses that I'm looking at doing at the moment or sorry, investing in at the moment. It doesn't have to be massive money, but the reason I want to do that is because I want to understand and be in that world and that market, but not risk loads, if that makes sense. Know that they're doing it well, but go on that journey with them, if that yeah. makes sense. So the reason I get involved with things like that is because I just find them fascinating. I just find things interesting, like crypto, like Bitcoin, like 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 uh, blockchain and Web three, interesting enough for me to invest my time or a bit of money. And if I have to put a weekend every month into learning about blockchain, that's more than most people will do. Is would you say a fair comment would be that one of your long term goals is to? You, you, you seem like someone who's really keen on learning mm -hmm. constantly, consistently, yeah. and constantly wanting to learn new things. Yeah, and and I think do you get bored quick? Oh yeah, really bored. Yeah, like properly bored. I sit in meetings and I'm like 15, 20 minutes. If I'm in a meeting longer than half an hour, you've done really well. Yeah. All the meetings are going really badly. Yeah. Really badly and we're not making any headway. Um, that said, yesterday, for instance, with our with our SLT meeting, we knew it was going to be a day, but we chunk it up. Yeah, so we know yeah. we've got half an hour windows to talk about certain things. So we're, we're constantly on sprints and focuses. Yeah. Um, always want to learn, but the reason I want to learn is because actually I think there's better ways of doing stuff. Right, so we're looking at developing a platform next year for our, for, our, for our current business because the way that we currently operate the business, we have to use six different fucking platforms to be able to get one thing done. Yeah. Right, and there's no super platform out there, or super app as they're now calling it, that, that, that allows you to aggregate that together and make the whole thing more efficient. Mm. Right, but if you don't learn, you're never going to know how to do that, or you're never going to understand if it is or isn't out there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I, I know full well that, that, that Web3, blockchain, and that world will be something. Yeah. But I don't know what it will be, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know that it is absolutely worth investing and having a punt on. Do I know if it's crypto? Do I know if it's Bitcoin? Do I know if it's Ethereum, Matic? Do I know if it's Decentraland or Spatial or, 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 or Roblox or whatever it is? Well, no, the answer is no. But what I do know is that they're out there. Yeah, something's happening in that world. You know, yeah. all of those things that I've just said, I know that they're there, which is more than most people, for instance, that will think of blockchain or crypto, mm. which then allows you to go, tell me more about that. Yeah. And eventually you'll be able to put together an argument or make a decision based on the education that you've got. Well, if you haven't done the theory and you haven't learned it and understood that world, then if an opportunity does present itself, you won't see it. Yeah. You but don't if know you what do, you you'll know. see it. And that could be potentially another opportunity or... Yeah. You just don't know what you don't know. And that's the reality of it. The, I was with a guy, you'll know, James Kahn from Dragon's Den. He used to be one of the investors. I was with him. He's a client of ours talking to him about, about what his rule of thumb is, if that makes sense. And his rule of thumb is the rule of three, right? So if he doesn't know something, he'll sit there and he'll go, okay, let's say we want to get an IT department in, for instance. He'll go, right, go and IT department come in. He'll choose three of them, for instance. One of them will come in. He won't know anything about it. He'll listen to them and he'll go, okay, okay, fine, good, got it. The next IT department or IT reseller or whatever will come in and he'll know a bit more about it. So he'll be able to ask more pointy questions, right? Because he's had the first person come in and ask uh, and pitch to him. The third person comes in and you're pretty well educated by that point because you've, you've listened, you've understood, they're probably pretty similar, so you know what pointy questions to ask and really where to get to. Yeah. And that is a very simplistic but quite an interesting way of breaking down learning, if that makes sense. Ask three questions about the same subject to different people and if you'll, you'll get an average, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You'll get an understanding, you'll be able to start to form an opinion. It might not be right, but the point is it allows you to start to go on that journey. But you're more informed. Exactly. you've listened to three specialists in their industry and exactly. you've taken even if they're saying different type things it's you, you'll take bits of all three conversations yeah. and compute your own opinion on stuff won't you exactly yeah exactly so 
What do you think inspires you the most? What inspires me the most? Mm. Person or as in just... Just in general. What inspires me the most? That's a really difficult question, actually. I don't know what inspires me. The most. I, th I, think, I think, as I said, making something bigger than the sum of its parts is, is hugely important to me and, and one of yeah. my major driving factors. Be, be, being different and, and making something for somebody that is useful is a big inspiration of mine. But I, I, I've never really thought about what inspires me. The most. I've never really thought about it. I know people that do, yeah. but I don't know what, what, what inspires me, if that makes sense. Yeah. It certainly isn't money, it certainly isn't freedom, it certainly isn't being able to go on holiday. All the tangible things, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably why I can't summarise it. I can't summarise it because it's not a tangible, it's not a, it's not a physical piece I, of I always ask the question, and, and a lot of people struggle to answer, yeah. because I think it's also time specific, because yeah, things yeah, can yeah. inspire you at different times. It's dependent on how you feel emotionally, mm. things that are going on in your life. Mm. It, is in, it is interesting. It's definitely not yeah. the, 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 the material stuff with most no. people, is it? No, I mean, everyone, I think, I think everybody has part of wanting to have something. No one's going to go, right, fuck it, I don't want to have a house. Yeah. Like, there's always part of being in life, generally, living, yeah. that you want to have the best possible lifestyle. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But within your means. But I don't want to sit here and go, right, I'm in business because I want to have four Ferraris in a mansion. Yeah. Because frankly, I couldn't give two shits about that. I'll just have a really nice house, happy family, nice car. That'll do me, yeah. for instance. I actually haven't got a car. I've sold my car. I don't have a car. I drive a van. Yeah. You know, and everyone looks. I used to have, candidly, hand on heart, I used to have a Range Rover. Really nice, brand new Range Rover. One of my goals. Great, cool. Tick that box. Year and a half, no, year ago, sold it. And now I just drive the company vans because I don't care yeah. about what people think when they look at you. They Has that changed over time? Yeah, 100%, 100%. One of my goals, 25 Range Rover. That was one of my goals. Yeah. Did it, great. Sold the car a year ago. And people go, what are you gonna buy now? And I'm like, I'm just not gonna not buy bothered. a car. Yeah. I'm ha we've just ordered two more vans. So what's the mindset change? What is that? I've scratched the itch, mate. I'm really, like, in all honesty, I've scratched that itch and I've gone, I thought I wanted to have a nice car. And I did at the time. Did it make me any happier than not having the car? No, really. Not really. I can still drive to the pub. Can't drive back after a beer though, but yeah. I can just I can drive yeah. to the pub. I can drive CMA, I can go see whatever I can do. You can do that in a van, you can do that on a bike, you can do that in a fucking Range Rover. It doesn't matter what vehicle it is. Yeah. It was I loved it when I had it. Very cool. Loved it. Big, big goal of mine. Did it. Do I need to go and buy another car that's big and flashy? Absolutely not. So maybe that goal didn't live up to your expectations. I think that's the reality. So when you say what inspires me, mm. I know it's not going to be going and buying a Ferrari. Mm. I know it's not going to be going and buying a big house, but I do know that it will be something to do with making, you know, if, if for instance I couldn't work, I'd still want what I've created to be able to function. Yeah. I think it's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can, I can sense that passion, passion coming through you. So Oliver, if, if, if anybody wants to reach out to pinpoint, um, or mm. learn more about your podcast yeah, or, yeah. or speak to you because of, um, of your sort of experiences, your journey, yeah. you know, and, and what you're doing in the future, where can they find you? Good question. So you can type in oliverbruce.co.uk and that'll be my website. It's got the podcast successes in the mind on. Yeah. Obviously they can fly Virgin Atlantic. Um, <laughs> Get that one in there. Get that one in there. <laughs> it's part of the deal. <laughs> it wasn't actually, I just quite like saying it. Um, Pinpoint-media.co.uk is the business, um, is, is the main mothership, is the main business. Or just type in Oliver Bruce on LinkedIn and, and I'd connect with everybody. You might pop up. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, look, Oliver, thanks for giving us your time. Um, I think there's tons and tons of takeaways. For me personally, there's some stuff that I'm going to really think about about the conversation when we go back through it and do the edit and the cuts and stuff. Um, and I think, yeah, podcast really inspirational. Keep it going. And um, it's given me something to aspire to because you're at a different level of where your podcast is given your experience and given what's at your disposal because of your, your, your sort of core business. But also you're three times as many episodes deep you know, some of the people you've had on are people that I follow, use their products regularly. Mm-hmm. So they're really inspirational people. And I think it's all put together really, really well. Thank you. Really good level of quality. And it kind of gives us a something to aim for and punch for in terms of reaching up that little bit higher and having better conversations with more people, more meaningful conversations and doing that in a very honest and truthful way, which is what yeah. it's all about. You, so, don't uh, ask, you don't ask, you don't get. That's the that's reality. It. No, thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate Cheers. it. Cheers.